LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here with you this Sunday morning on your bank holiday weekend. Coming up at six, in conversation this week, I'm joined by TV presenter Richard Hammond, who we met in the Daybreak studio, an actress, dancer and entertainer, Bonnie Langford, whose mum listens all the time. But first, we have my best bits from the week. And we started the week with Peter, he loves his kids, Andre. Poor old Peter Andrex, who's coming back. Uh, they, they managed to ditch Claire Sweeney. I don't know why she was very good at that 60-minute makeover. They wanted to call it 90-minute makeover with Peter Andre. But sadly, uh, Pete loves his kids and he had to go and see them. So uh, there was no chance of doing that. And then I did laugh because uh, pitching up... I was, I was watching some television over the weekend... And they're rerunning some old The Only Way is Essexes. And you suddenly realise that some of these people are thick as planks. Joey Essex, I mean, is the dimmest ever. And he was talking to the one that they got rid of, Harry Durbridge, who was just too gay. You know, there's a sort of, there's the sort of gay and then there's too gay in Harry Durbridge. Together with little Bobby, too gay. I think they should both be put in a, in a bin and floated out to sea and left there for ages and ages till they butched themselves up a little bit. And... Harry Durbridge was saying, I think it was Joey Essex was saying, do you think I, I look gay? And Harry's going, I don't think so. And <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my God. And he said, but you dress, you dress gay. And so we had all that palaver because it was an old one. They, they were ages old. You knew they were ages old because Mark Wright was, was going out with that foul-mouthed old bag, Lauren Goodyear, um, who's just, oh, God, I'd have dropped her off the end of South End Pier. He quite clearly wanted to do his job. She wanted to pitch up there, so she was there. Gemma Collins, I had to laugh. Poor old Gemma, fat as a whale. And there she was, looking as bloated and as stupid as she ever did. And, and still with that little good boy. In fact, a bit like Harry Durbridge, really. They could be interchangeable, except he's about as thin as a pencil and she's about the size of, well, a complete geometry set. And so she's there, and she thinks she's going out with Kirk, who owns Sugar Hut. You know, I mean, you've seen what it looks like. It is what it is, I suppose. It's a nightclub in Brentwood. I'll rest my case. And and so she's like, he's coming over, coming over. He's coming over with champagne for me. Now, he goes straight past her, and he goes for Lauren Goodyear's sister, you know, who's got the word easy stamped all over her. Whereas Gemma Collins has just got, she's going to eat you out of house and home stamped all over her. So that, that was the big problem. But, it, but the funniest thing was Mark Wright saying to Lauren Goodyear, listen, babe, because I, I really love you. And I want to be with you for the rest of my life. And I thought, well, until you're off the series, then you find somebody else. So he's found quite a few since then. The only thing I can't, can't get to grips with, the fact that Mark Wright is about as big as a, big as a doll. He's really tiny. Because you think he's big, don't you? But he's, he's not, unfortunately, he's very small. Very small person. So I watched that, and that, that sort of mildly amused me for a little while. Um, but the one thing I was going to mention to you, because I've, I've cut it for the programme, is that Amy Childs because she is such a child. She can only speak in a little baby doll kind of voice. And she's got a DVD out, a fitness DVD. Lose weight in 30 days. It's rubbish. You know why I can tell you this? You know why, with hand on heart, I can say to you, do not waste your money on this pile of garbage. Because if it worked... Amy Childs' agent, who is as big as Gemma Collins, would have set aside a month to try and get the weight off. But sadly she hasn't, so you know it's a pile of old poo, don't you? Don't waste your money. Amy Childs has never been fat. 
has never, ever been overweight. She's a thin little thing, and if you waste your money on this, I'm going to come round and slap the back of your legs. It's as simple as that. Because if this thing worked, her agent would have tried it herself. But she hasn't. Her agent is as big as Gemma Collins, if not bigger. You know, perhaps you could give it to Gemma Collins. There you go, Gemma, try that. Lose weight in 30 days. That's what all the fatties want to hear, isn't it? They want to hear that you've lost weight in 30 days. And then, uh, oh, bad news, I'm afraid. Tamara Eccleston's got her bits out. You know, listen, darling, you can't find a boyfriend for love nor money. All yours want to take you for a bit, you know, for, for, for the cash. Taking your kit off for Playboy, love. I mean, really? How embarrassing. Mind you, talk of embarrassing. There's an awards bash the other day. This was uh, the Premier League aces who had a night out. And so they were all out on the town and there were uh, pe- people I've never heard of. Van Percy. Who's he? Never heard of him. He's a, he apparently plays football. He's wearing a suit that doesn't fit. But his girlfriend, luckily, is from Hollyoaks. Her name's Nick... Wife? What? Nicky Sanderson? Yeah, Nicky Sanderson. It's a very bad picture of Nicky Sanderson. If, if that's... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's Nicky Sanderson with a pal. I don't know who Van Percy's wife is. Oh, her name's Bushra. Nicky Sanderson was there from Hollyoaks. Spurs Walker. And then, how, how camp George Lineker with babes leaving Mahiki Club? George Lineker and I ask you, God in heaven. We've scraped some barrels in our time, but by God, that's about the best one. Sorry? Is it university? No, he doesn't do anything at all. He goes out to nightclubs and they go, who are you? And he goes, I'm George Lineker. And they go, oh, we go out with you, mate. So he put two in the back of a cab. I think he paid with his own money. Sweetie, isn't he? Um, We've got the drought on the way. Having had the rain, now we've got the drought. I must make up my hanging baskets. I really I really must, actually. I'm a little bit remiss in that in that department. I don't know why. Lovely picture here is Imogen Thomas. Sexy Imogen Thomas. I don't think so, love. Somebody from Blackpool's written in. Oh, you'll see her up there soon. If there's any footballers to hang around with, she'll be there. Imogen Thomas. We know what you are, love. Just we can't use the name, can we, anymore? Uh, who's this? This is... Um, Oh, there's some poor little woman here, a little girl, Ava Carvery. Carvey, has been, been locked out of her, her family kitchen because she could eat herself to death. I know the feeling. Her mum, Marika, keeps a close eye on her. She suffers from constant hunger. Good, that's awful, isn't it? Isn't that a dreadful thing to happen? Or constant hunger. That's a bit like, perhaps Gemma Collins is iller than we thought. But constant hunger. Who's this? Oh, I tell you. Oh, the other bad news. Who's the Who's the fat bird out of EastEnders? I play my trumpet. Natalie Cassidy. You're the one who was big as a house, lost weight, flogged you a DVD, put the weight back on. Lost weight, flogged a DVD, put the weight back on. You know what she's doing at the moment? Another DVD. Don't waste your money. I've told you before, it's ridiculous to buy these things from these people who just go and bloat themselves. For three months, they go on a diet. They're always pictured in a park, aren't they, with, with a personal trainer. Why? Because they're flogging a DVD. Natalie Cassidy's now been up front about it. Yeah, I'm bringing out another DVD. Do us a favour, love. Why don't you stop eating less? You know, we're not buying into this garbage anymore. You know, bring out a DVD. Put on the weight again, bring out another DVD. Put on the weight again, bring out... They've all done it, even Kerry Coke Toner. But talking of cocaine, the biggest shock for me was watching Songs of Praise on Sunday, hosted, I think, now by Bill Turnbull. He ain't Alid Jones, that's a fact. There's something about him. It just doesn't work on television. He pitched up on Countdown the other day, and I'm thinking, he's a newsreader on the BBC. Why does they think he's a celebrity? He's boring as hell. 
Anyway, he pitched up, and their, their, and their closing line was on Songs of Praise. And next week, our special guest is Daniela Westbrook. And I'm thinking, do you know, I never thought I'd be sitting here telling you an old cokehead is going to be pitching up on Songs of Praise. That's how low we've got. We've actually got a day without... Oh, no, we've got Kelly Brook. I do beg your pardon. I thought there was a day without a picture of Kelly Brook in the paper, but we do have her in the paper, which is very exciting. And a picture of, uh, of Danny Cipriani, her boyfriend. Uh, the bus could have killed him. He's got two little scratches on his face. What a wuss. What a wuss. He was apparently run over by a bus. Darling, if you'd been run over by a bus, you'd be looking a lot different. Two little scratches. Two little scratches. And apparently, he's being looked after by... Nurse Kelly Brook. Oh, not lovely. God, I tell you, that bus driver's got a lot to answer for. And so, and I, and I watched, I flipped over this morning, because I was awake really early, because I'd slept loads yesterday in preparation for the dentist. Woo, scary. And, and I'd watched Alan Carr Chatty Man with JLS. And I didn't realise that, that Aston Merigold is about as big as a butterfly. It's a tiny little thing. And they were all on there, and then they had a sort of a clip of their best bits and some of their songs. It was all right. It was okay. I, mean, I just sort of thought to myself, wait a minute, we're only in May. We're just coming into May, and they're not splitting up till December. By God, you're milking it, aren't you? I mean, they were a boy band, but now they're men. You know, they're adults. They all vote. Some of them were, were quite young. Apparently, when, when Blue started, apparently Lee was about 16, 17. And they, they, they put them on loose women where these sort of old women perv all over them. It's quite disgusting, really. It's quite... A, poor old Jane McDonald's has now resorted to doing smut as her innuendos. But you've now got the, the host, Andrew McLean, telling us she's not had sex for ages. I mean, this, this is how bad the programme's become. She hasn't had sex for ages. Um, Denise Welsh apparently had sex with a ghost. And the panel go, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. But, of course, she's as mad as a barrel load of frogs. Carol McGiffin, who thankfully stopped talking about her uh, boyfriend, Mark. And then Jane McDonald, who would rather have a cup of cocoa. Not exactly inspiring, is it, really? Uh, Ali Ross is talking about how dreary Lauren Laverne is. I mean, she is the most unfunny person on the television. I mean, she's as, she's as, as unfunny as Stephen K. Amos. A man with not a funny bone in his entire body, I'm afraid. But Lauren Laverne, she's on a couple of things on the television. She might look you know, the, the, the right part, but by God, she's awful. And then Imelda Staunton pitched up on the television, on the Olivier Awards, and her husband's in Downton Abbey. I didn't know that. That's Jim, Jim Carter, isn't it, I think? I love the Olivier Awards this year. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, other stories in the, in the papers today. A lot of people talking about um, Gemma Collins on... Uh, I mean, why has she got such a stupid voice? She pitched up on Loose Women as well. They have to have to put these people on the toes. She's got a little book to promote. And here's little Cheryl Cole wearing another little miniature outfit. We thought you'd gone to America, Cheryl. Are you not forging a career over there, love? I thought you'd taken your little um, little dancer friend, Trey. You know, because uh, you've got to pay for him, love, because he, he's not, he doesn't seem to be working at the moment. Mind you, you're not working either, are you? Another hair care advert, I suppose. That'll be good. And here she is wearing somebody else's hair. And so she pitched up last night... To see um, Burn the Floor with Joe Kalzaki's missus and Strictly Come Dancing star Christina Rianov. She's not a star. She's just one of three a penny dancers. It's a bit like Tony Beak. You know, the one who's all over the place. A little bit cheesy, a little bit camp, a little bit too effem. But, um, and they're big dancing fans about it. Cheryl Cole and Kimberly Walsh. Well, Kimberly Walsh, yeah, Cheryl Cole, just because nobody ever asks her out now. 
Shouldn't nobody to go out with, has she? I mean, I don't know where on earth poor old Trey is. Perhaps signing on, was he, love? Unless he's got a job in America. Apparently, a source said the pair were blown away. If only, if only. You live in hope, don't you, really? They met Christina after the show, and Cheryl asked her to help her get more dance moves in her locker. Help her to get more dance moves? What's her locker? What's that? Is that some new sort of... Was that, does that mean something? I mean, Cheryl Cole can't dance. We go on to fight, fight, fight for, fight for this life. We go on to fight, fight. And she dances. You think she dances? Yeah, she, well, she certainly don't sing, does she? Let's face it. I mean, I'm assuming... She, and also, she can't hang on to a man at all. But anyway, luckily, she's got Trey. But there again, you know, when you've got to pay for him, you can get whatever you want. Oh, poor Cheryl Cole. So unlucky in love. Am I bothered? No. We'll have a quick break here. When we return, we'll try our hardest to find a funny new British comedy. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, we discussed British comedy. It used to be very funny, but now it's just lame, I'm afraid. Steve, I'm not sure what's up with British comedy these days. Is there any? Is there any new British comedy? Ben Elton's new sitcom, The Right Way, is lame at best. I watched the first episode, and it's not worth watching. Oh, that's who, oh, that's who wrote it, is it? See, the funny thing is, I liked Ben Elton. I liked him when Ben Elton was being all anarchic, and he was... Um, and he spent most of his act, his stand-up act, was slagging off the Conservatives. And then, of course, Labour got into power and he kind of disappeared. And then he sat back and started counting his money. And then he wrote a musical with Andrew Lloyd Webber. And it was then that Ben Elton crossed from being, you know, you know, hardline Labour supporter into lovedom And pitches up all sorts of places now. So now he's back with this. See, when it said the right way, I thought it was Matthew Wright's programme. I didn't realise it was something else. But I'd read some pretty bad, re- bad reviews of it. So, uh, not so good. Tonight, says Stuart, there was a sitcom called Vicious, which you now know is Derek Jacobi, Ian McKellen and Francis de la Tour, that was promising from the clips, I say, but the casts were not used to their, used to their full potential. And again, something I shall not be watching again, very poor. Uh, I watched a sitcom, after that on ITV1, set the job centre called The Job Lot. That was by far better. Clever writing, good acting all round, especially Sarah Hadland and Russell Tovey. Russell Tovey, of course, was my special guest for In Conversation this week. It's definitely one I shall watch again, he says. I used to work in a job centre, and it was very much like this, so the sitcom is well observed. But when it comes to something, when some of the best sitcoms on TV are over 30 years old, Dad's Army, On the Buses, and the irrepressible George and Mildred. Yes, George and Mildred, I saw the other day, they do stand up well. They really do. I mean, she was... Unfortunately, she was drinking. and uh, But they just worked so well together. It was, it was a, a beautifully crafted bit of comedy. Even, even something like Terry and June on the television now, I think, is actually very good. It, re- it really is. It really is. Um, uh, what have they written in the paper today? In the Daily Mirror, they say here... Now that JLS have given up the ghost, there's a definite gap in the boy band market and Blue are exploiting it. Yesterday, Duncan, Lee, Anthony and Simon cunningly released their brand new comeback album, Roulette, with tracks including fab single Hurt Lovers. It was in the top five in the midweek charts last night. Check it out. Yeah, do you think there's a a market for Blue to come back again? Do you think there is a... 
you know, all of a sudden, Blue can have gone away, and then, I mean, are, are the fans there? I mean, if the album's gone back into the charts, I mean, somebody's buying it, aren't they? They appeared on Loose Women the other day. They'll no doubt pop up here in the building, and they'll be uh, back together. Uh, Mark, the sender in Oz, he says, you're glad to know we here in Melbourne are packing the warm sun off to you. It was two degrees this morning when I left for work at 6am. Well, it's going to be quite nice here today. We've got 14 degrees which we will have a little bit later on. So it's, it's actually a nice day. And we don't get many nice days, so I'm, I'm uh, particularly looking for this. Blimey, Steve, says Kevin, the sick as a parrot milkman, a quarter of a million pay packet for each episode of House. That's more than I earn in ten years. Maybe I should have gone to acting school instead of a Harlow comprehensive... I know, it's it's not good, is it? That's why it makes me laugh when people get, oh, isn't it a shame, you know, people have to get up and go and do filming and it's all hard work. And he said he would drive into work and sometimes hope that he would have an accident so he could have a few days off. You think, a quarter of a million pounds an episode, 250,000 pounds an episode. That's like buying a house every day of the week. Or in the case of 250,000, it's like buying the whole of Liverpool. Wow. It's several years since Claire Sweeney presented 60 Minute Makeover. Others have done it after her. Yes, there are, there are sort of other, yeah, there are other people, aren't there, who have presented the programme. The reason, says James Embarking, why Waitrose prices are different between Twickenham and Richmond is because you can afford it and James O'Brien can't. Oh, he doesn't go to Richmond, does he? He's in Chiswick. He's, he's in Chiswick. It's, it's not uh, not as upmarket as, as Richmond. I mean, it's it's quite nice, Chiswick. You know, Ant and Deck live there, but in the posh bit. He's in, he's in the poorer bit, I suspect. I don't... I'm just guessing. I don't know. He keeps chickens, I think. He was telling me last night he keeps chickens in the garden. I look very brave in this day and age. I suppose for the free eggs. I suppose people, people like that kind of thing. I've been reading lots of... Um, Lots of things in country life where they've been talking about people who keep chickens at home or people who keep donkeys at home. It's, it's, it's all part of the good life. And I quite fancied it. For a brief moment, for a brief moment, I, I fancied having miniature horses. You know, but I mean proper miniature, not, you know, not like Shetland ponies. I mean small. And then I thought, would they do a miniature donkey as well? quite fancy a miniature donkey because they are the most stubborn animals of all time. I've never been, I've never been so hacked off as I have with 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 donkeys. When I was younger, they used to bring them back from the beach in the winter and they would sort of wander about the fields and we used to try and ride them. Of course, they didn't like us riding because they knew it was their holiday time, so they never bothered. (laughs) Uh, He's in every paper, actually, Hugh Laurie. Even though he was the best-paid actor in television, £250,000 an episode. He's been over there for years. He must have made millions. But then you see, people in America do make a lot of money. Over here, if you do a show... Like this morning, as we now know, you can earn good money. What what did we say last week? Christine Bleakley, hiya, was was earning for Dancing on Ice. Was it something ludicrous like seventy thousand pounds a show? Seventy thousand. I mean, it's just. And so they, they've said she's going to have to take a cut in it, and it's going to go to twelve thousand pounds a show. And you're all going twelve thousand pounds for each. What for? You could probably count the words. And work out how much she gets paid for each word. Hiya. That's one of the divine... Well, it's a lot of money, isn't it? £12,000 is what they're going to cut it down to. Small wonder, as I said last week on the programme, that Carol Vorderman had £40,000 a show for Countdown. That's what she was rumoured to have earned. And they wanted to take it... Or perhaps it was 4000 But no, 4000 sounds much more realistic, doesn't it? £4,000 a show, and they wanted it to go to 400 She went, I'm not doing that, I shall leave. So she left. 
that for years Carol Vorderman was Countdown. You know, she was the one... I quite like the new girl. Didn't like Bill Turnbull being on the panel. Sorry, I don't like newsreaders doing things like that. I'm a bit funny. I think if you're a newsreader, you stay a newsreader. Stop trying to develop yourself into a personality. It was bad enough when he did the Strictly Dancing programme. I'll be looking forward to that coming back. That'll be quite nice. Lots of pictures, some nice pictures today of, um, of, of bears sitting there in uh, eastern Russia in the Kronotsky Reserve waiting to go fishing. But what they do is they sit on rocks and they just sort of stare into the distance. Then they nod off. And they fall off the rock, and that's the funny bit. And what they do is they um, they just sit there waiting for the salmon to spawn, and then they just pick up salmon. It's quite a lazy life, actually, being a bear. I don't mind that. Mylene Class has hit out at the way strong women are labelled bitches. I don't know why. The ex-hearsay singer... I mean, how many more... Poor soul, she doesn't have to live with that for the rest of her life. Says she's fed up with female celebrities being attacked over their looks and careers. Now, this, I suppose, must go... For the Catherine Jenkins, every single person has rounded on... Was it Jan Moyer who was critical of, of Paul? And say, listen, get over yourself. You know, quite clearly you haven't got the energy to run all the looks. Whereas Catherine Jenkins twittered and she said, listen, contrary to what everybody thinks, I ran and I ran to raise money for my father who died of cancer. I raised £25,000. My hair was tied back because I was going to sweat because I was running. And I did wear glasses because it was very sunny. But contrary to what you put in your column, I did not wear lip gloss or eyeshadow. And I thought, you know, how gracious of Catherine Jenkins. I read a piece over the the weekend. I thought, that can't be true. It was an interview that dreary old Sarah Harding... Remember Sarah Harding? That's the stand-up fall-down. Oh, in the gutter. Oh, look, rehab. And uh, and she'd given an interview to OK Magazine. I've got no idea why. Perhaps I couldn't find anybody else, or it was a page filler. Where she has blasted Cheryl Cole, claiming her mega-success is down to luck, not talent. Oh, I, I, absolutely. I'm a firm believer in everybody gets luck in their life. Every single person. It doesn't... Very few people it goes on talent. It's luck. It's being in the right place at the right time, knowing the right person, being nice about somebody, you know, taking up all the... Off- if I took up all the offers that I, you know, that have been handed to me, I'd be a, I'd be a very rich person. But I'm not really interested. You know, I'm not one of... The, I know a lot of people say, oh, I can't wait to be on television. I can't think of anything worse. I couldn't think of anything worse, that sort of, that loss of privacy. I love radio. I mean, radio's great. You can hide behind the mic, your teeth can drop out. And imagine pitching up on the television and you say, today you're going to be talking to, to Lorraine and, and your teeth drop out. And you go, well, I can't do it now. Can I go, well, you'll have to. You're booked. And then you look at how little these people talk. I went down to do Richard Hammond the other day and stri- surprisingly, we had to, well, not surprisingly, we had to go and do him at daybreak. Well, I've never seen so many people... In a place, there's people wandering here and wandering there and over here and everybody's got headphones on and it's, and it's just, it's all terribly busy. And when we did Channel 5 years ago for Five's Company, we had the same. We, in, in, our, in fact, in, involved in the show, when they did a last thing, when we did our last show, they did this wonderful thing, which I thought was terribly, terribly emotional because we filmed it in the daytime. We, we, we did the show live but we did the cutaway at the end, pre-recorded, where we got the whole team into the studio. So at the end of the programme, we can go, and we'd like to thank these people. And then it did a what they call... Um, can't it wasn't a cutaway, it was sort of a fold-through. And the whole team were there. And there was about 35, 40 people. Liz will have to tell you, she knows these things. But about 35, 40 people involved in Five's company. That was the makeup artists, you know, costume... Because they call it costume, even though we weren't costumed. There were the, the presenters. We had all the presenters back in again. It was a load of people. Lighting, scene doc, everybody. Teleprinter, auto cue, runners, producers. 
it was it was really a lot of people, a lot of people, and it sort of cut away. So when I went down to this morning to go and do Richard Hammond, he's in the dressing room. They say, you know, can you do the interview in the dressing room? And he went on to do his interview with Lorraine, which lasted about three minutes. But it, it was very funny. But I just I was just reminded that on on television it is down to luck. It is down to luck. You know, he, his his career, strangely, is radio. That's where he came from. He came from local radio and worked his way up. But he's he's only tiny. Well, he's not that tiny. I mean, he looks, looks OK normal to me. I've worked with lots of people his size, so I don't really think he's tiny anymore. But that's what that's what people play on. They go, oh, he's, yeah, he's called the hamster because he's, he's very small. But he was very witty and he was very funny. But it's still all these people on television. I've never seen so many people. The, the radio equivalent is two people here this morning. You know, me. All right, if you add in Andy McCall... You know, then you're adding an extra person on. All, all part of the same team. Dan reading the news, Andy doing the travel, her next door. God knows what I mean. And so she's in, and, and I'm in. But it's a small team. On television, 35, 40. I'd love to see how many people are on Daybreak. I reckon there's got to be a good 50 people working on that show. I bet you anything. And that's why when Sarah Harding says that uh, Cheryl Cole's mega success is down to luck, not talent. As I said last week, I feel like I'm repeating myself. Sarah Harding, great singer. You don't say Sarah Harding, actress, because the last film she's made have been turkeys. She's apparently working on solo material. Don't bother, darling. And Sarah Harding's solo work is something that won't be on my shopping list, I can tell you that. Don't forget, in half an hour, you'll hear from TV presenter Richard Hammond and the multi-talented Bonnie Langford as they join me for In Conversation. But now, the latest news at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning. You're listening to the best of Steve Allen this Sunday morning. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with TV presenter Richard Hammond and actress, dancer and entertainer Miss Bonnie Langford. But for now, we'll carry on with my best bits from the week. On Wednesday, Nick Ferrari had his floating voter special whilst moored up on the River Thames. Now, while he was doing the show, his reporter was giving us a history lesson. I I love the idea that Tom Swarbrick will be looking about the history of the River Thames. I know all about the River Thames. It was twice as wide. I'll give you all the facts now, Okay, It was twice as wide as it is now. You can see that because heading down past Embankment Tube, that's where the River Thames went, into the Embankment Gardens and the big water gate and the big house there. That's where the water lapped up to. So it's shrunk over the years. got smaller and smaller and smaller. And it is the lifeblood of the city. It was so filthy... At one point, they had to put up curtains in the Houses of Parliament, slaked with lime to keep the stench out. There were dead bodies, animals, rubbish. Everybody chucked everything into the Thames. They did it in the River Fleet as well. They just threw every bit of rubbish in there. Now it's the lifeblood of the city. I love it. I love, 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 love going down the Thames on a boat. It's the one thing, if you come from out of town and you come down to London, I don't care, I don't know if it makes, I don't care if it makes you look like a tourist. Get one of the river boats and go down all the way to Greenwich. I promise you it's worth every penny. I know you think to yourself, oh, it's a really naff tourist thing. And it is, but it's worth doing. It's one of, I mean, I wouldn't get one of these buses that goes around London. You know, these sort of tour bus things. I wouldn't do that. I'd rather sort of just get on a normal double-decker bus and go round and round and round. It would make it uh, better. <laughs> I love the idea, Warren, of that one. Thank you for that advice on Nick Ferrari floating down the Thames. I'm not sure if they're floating, because Call Clegg's going to be on there as well, so they must be moored. You never get a signal back otherwise. That'll be after 7 o'clock this morning. So do do it. If you're coming up to London today and you think to yourself, what shall I do, because we've got a bit of decent weather, 
Get on one of those river boats and go down to Greenwich. Get off at Greenwich. Go have a walk around Greenwich. Go and see where Nelson's body lay in state. Go and have a look at the painted hall. Come back. That's where they filmed Les Miserables, incidentally, as well. So come back. You know, go and have something to eat at Greenwich. And then come. Have a cup of tea on the boat. Because it's a nice journey. It really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. It's really, really good. Anyway, Alison Phillips... Alison Phillips writing in the paper today, and I have to be honest, I'm, I'm, I have to agree, and I, I wish I didn't, but I have to. She says, let's take a deep breath and stop the excruciating patronising of Oscar winner, dame and millionaire Helen Mirren, because I really don't think she needs our pity or wants it. So why, every time she's pictured out of the house, are we forced to endure descriptions of her which inevitably include the words dazzling, sexy, hot and stunning? She says, yes, sometimes she looks great, but sometimes she looks a right shocker, like at the Olivier Awards. I mean, she looked a mess at the Olivier Awards. She looked her age. The hair was terrible. The uh, the frock was like something left over from last year's Halloween, and she was sporting this terribly unflattering Elvis quiff. I mean, she's, you know, to praise her every appearance, presumably, simply, because, Alison writes, she's 67. <gasps> Gasp! She's 67. Good Lord. There should be a sign on her. Nearly dead. 67. And she hasn't turned up in tartan slippers. She says, I assume the authors of this claptrap think women of 67 are doing well to make fashion choices that don't involve beige and elasticated waists. Total rubbish, she says. A bit like uh, Helen's outfit. Yeah, I'm sick to death of the deification, of the, the patronising of this poor woman. Here she is again. Helen Mirren looked dazzling. God's sake. She's an actress who's working. Okay, she's on stage at the moment. She's very good, but, you know, let's just leave her alone, shall we, for a little bit? Perhaps the papers haven't got anything else to write about. Terribly worrying. I do have to agree. I have to agree, I think. About time, you know, we don't... There are other people out there. She must be sitting there thinking, oh, here we go. Dazzling, stunning, gorgeous, sexy, you know, vampish, all that kind of stuff. It's Helen Mirren. She's an actress. Get over yourselves. Winston Churchill replaces Elizabeth Fry on the back of the £5 note in 2015. We'll be left without a single woman on our currency. Does it make any difference? Can't we have somebody from history? I'd like somebody from history. I'm not bothered about anybody modern or anything like that. Perhaps Margaret Thatcher could be on a note. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Margaret Thatcher on the back of... Was she recommended? Did anybody come up with Margaret Thatcher to uh, to put on the back of a note? Probably not. Yeah, somebody came up with that. Oh, well, there you go. You see, I mean, that's it. That's sorted then. Let's put her on the back. Or the front. I don't really care. I think we should have somebody like Isaac Newton, Charles Dickens. I think we should have some different colours on our notes. I was looking at my wallet the other day, very bland, very bland. I had to go and pay for the teeth the other day as well. So I go to the bank and um, and I and I took out a thousand pounds. I know, to be honest with you, I was I was surprised they gave it to me because <laughs> I go in there and uh, and I go, they go, good morning. And I go, morning. And so I put the card in and say, can I have a thousand pounds, please? All nonchalantly. All nonchalantly, like, you know, like I was sort of able to take out a thousand. I was half expecting him to just uh, to sort of say to me, well, unfortunately, you don't have a thousand pounds. This is on the card. In the machine, I can take 400 pounds out of the cash point. But that's separate from going into the bank and putting it in their machine on the counter. And so I could take a thousand pounds out. So I said, can I have a thousand pounds? So he said, uh, yes. And so while he's sort of putting it through the... Uh, the, the, the system. He said, uh, uh, when we complu- conclude this transaction, Mr. Allen, Mr. Allen, <laughs> will there be anything else? I said, no, thank you. No, thank you. Just a thousand pounds. I think, God, I, perhaps I should run out the door. I've managed to get away with this one so far. And so he then pretty, he said, I've only got twenties. I said, that's okay. He doesn't count them 
He puts them on a machine. He's got a little machine where you put £1,000 on, you turn it round and it says £1,000 because they know what £1,000 weighs. Which I thought was quite clever because it had a paper wrap around it. Exactly. I didn't count it because when I gave it to the dentist, he said, it doesn't look like £1,000. I said, don't start that one. I said, because it says £1,000 on it. I said, if it's not, then give me a ring. I said, but it, I, I saw the, the little machine and it weighed out. Of th- it's like when it would, if you give them... If you give them uh, £10 in pennies or a pound or whatever it is in, in pennies, they just put it on the machine and it, it will tell you exactly if it's a penny short. I mean, £1,000 does not look very impressive. I know it, it should do. I mean, I walked out there thinking if it falls out of my pocket, I've had it. So I had it clutched in my hand, in my inside pocket, in my hand. I looked a bit like, like Nelson. I looked a bit like Nelson, clutching my £1,000, thinking, I don't want anybody to come anywhere near me. I've heard about some of these Romanian pickpocket gangs. Don't come anywhere near me. I do not want to lose my money. Bruce used to work at a shop, and at Christmas, she'd uh, cash up. She's got a lovely house and car now and some beautiful clothes. And Sorry. And uh, there'd be multiple thousands in my hand. She wasn't very much at all. I know, it's a little it's a little packet, isn't it? I was very disappointed. Well, he was disappointed. More impressed by the fact that I'd given him £1,000 in cash. And so we practically paid for the teeth now. Well, because he doesn't take cards. He doesn't take cards. And also, I don't want to write a cheque out, because I can go to the bank and get the cash out. What's, what's the difference? Doesn't make any difference, does it, really? So, well, I mean, I, I always pay cash for things like that. I pay cash for petrol. I don't put anything on cards. I don't, I don't trust cards. I mean, the, uh, the, the places where they, they rip you off the most are garages. Garages are the, the place where, unfortunately, um, that's where most cards are cloned. And the reason they're cloned is because they have more transient people working in the garages. There was that garage, I think, on the way to, was it Dorset? Where it was something like 500 cards were cloned. Because the staff in there were bent. And the owner of the garage went, oh, I, don't, I didn't know them. They just came in and worked shifts and things like that. And they were bent. They'd been given a machine and they were clocking it out. Apparently, a £1,000 in £20 notes weighs, according to Warren, 54 grams. He's just weighed it. 54 grams it weighs. So you can see on this little machine, in the bank it comes up in, it writes £1,000. So he said there's £1,000. I thought, well, we've got to trust him. But it doesn't look impressive at all, does it? So, in other words, if ever you went down to somebody, and I remember they did the lottery on the television, I think on Paul Daniel's show, and uh, Robert Maxwell, that bent old crook, pitched up, and he had a million pounds to give away. They were advertising bingo, I think, and it was a million pounds, and he said, here is a million pounds, and Paul Daniel's made it vanish, but it was a million pounds. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, it doesn't look very much at all. You'd think it would fill a room this size, but no, it just fills a little bit in the corner, because if it's in 50-pound notes... So, in other words, £1,000 in 20s doesn't really look, you know, very impressive. In £50 notes, it would look even less impressive. Very disappointed. Very, very disappointed. But never mind. I sort of did it. I felt a bit better about it. I just can't wait for the teeth now. <gasps> cannot wait for the teeth. Today, because yesterday, I did Bonnie Langford yesterday. And uh, I know that her mum listens to this programme because Bonnie said to me, my mum said, Steve Allen says this and Steve Allen says that. And so, and so I know she listens and I know that she's got a speaker under her pillow. She's got a little speaker under her pillow. So she listens to the programme. And uh, so Bonnie is going back into Spamalot. She starts this Monday, which is the bank holiday. And yes, I am here on the bank holiday until 7 I think it says on the website 6.30, but it's 7 o'clock I'm doing. They, they uh, sent me a text yesterday, young Christopher, and said, uh, you're, you're doing till 7. They don't, they don't say, would you like to do till 7? They say, you're doing till 7 on the bank holiday Monday. So that's OK. So I am here, yes, which is fine. But then I thought today, 
Apparently a block of butter weighs 250 grams. That had come to £5,000 in 20s. Isn't that funny, though, that £1,000 weighs 54 grams? I never thought about weighing it before. I, I really didn't. Actually, I've got some... Actually, I've just realised I've got some money at home. I can go to one of those coin star machines today and empty all my money in, and hopefully I might have about two or three hundred pounds in there because I need to get some more plants. I'm going to start planting up today. I've decided the weather was so good yesterday. This morning, I uh, watered all the plants in their little pots. I went up to Squires again to have a look. I thought, I'll buy some more things to pop into the baskets. I'm not spending two quid on a little tiny pot thing. I'm really not. I've decided. And they're little fuchsias. Mine are bigger. And mine were 89 pence. There's a £2.29. I'm not spending it. I'm really not. I'd advise everybody, grow your own. Take cuttings, root them off with some rooting hormone powder, stick them in a pot, wait till the roots go, and then grow your own. It's got to be cheaper, isn't it? £2.29 for a little tiny piddling little fuchsia. I was so cross. I remonstrated. I, w- I went up there deliberately. I thought, I'll buy some plant. The cheapest I could find was one ninety-nine. £2 for a piddling little plant. I thought, I'm not spending it. I'm really not. I'd, I'd rather go to this other place where they're much cheaper. Much cheaper, these plants at Vermeulen's. It's a bit of a drive. I really we haven't got a car. You're never going to get there. But, you know, even, even one of the other uh, garden centres I go to, they're just too expensive. You know, they're, they're obviously banking on the... F- but I'm not doing it. I'm not spending that money. And it's not that I'm mean or tight or any way like that, because I'm quite happy to spend the money. I just don't think it's worth it. If I can get stuff cheaper... I bought some plants online as well, so I'm going to go out. I'm going to see how many baskets I can get made up out of all the plants that I've got. But, um, you see, Warren has said, be careful, don't cast a clout until May is out. You're supposed to put your baskets in at the end of May. I'm not sure I can wait that long. I really don't think so. I mean, I've got the earth. I've got five bags of earth, big bags of earth, which is great. And I've got eight baskets to make up, and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine trays of plants. I've got 180 fuchsias, and I don't think it's enough. <laughs> I think I need... So I think today I might go and get some more fuchsias. You're right, though. I mean, I'm, I should really hold off, shouldn't I, until the end of May, but, you know, I... C- not sure I can. They're selling in Squires, our garden centre, they're selling hanging baskets with fuchsias in already. And I think it's too early. They're much bigger than mine. Mine are sort of big. Mine are about, what's six inches look like, Rubes? About, oh, that's it. Right, OK. That's six inches, apparently. So, uh, well, they're huge, these baskets. They've got about 12 inches. Mine are sort of about four inches. And I can tell you my flower talk is enthralling. Fuchsias, daffodils, climbers, geraniums. I could be here all week discussing them. For now, we're going to take a quick break. And when I return, we'll be taking a trip down memory lane. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Nostalgia kicked off the day on Thursday after I found a list of 50 things to do before you turn 11 and three quarters. Now, I know many of you are older than that age, but it's a simple bit of nostalgia for you. Cast your mind back. 11 and three quarters. These are some of the things that you should have done. Number one, of course, is the is the one which everybody's done. Climb a tree. Try doing it at 50 plus. It ain't so easy, I promise you. You look at them and you think, I think we'll leave that. When you're 11 and three quarters, yeah, climb up the tree, swing on the branches. I couldn't even think about swinging on the branches now. I get dizzy going on an adventure playground. Uh, Roll down a big hill. 
You ever done that before when you were a kid? You sat at the top and you rolled it. And, of course, now you do it over 50. You're in hospital before you know what's happened because you've sort of damaged yourself beyond belief. Uh, three, camp out in the wild. OK, make up your own jokes. Uh, yeah, camping out is great, you know, until you get to 50 and then you really don't want to do it. You really don't want to go camping in the wild. When you're 11 three quarters, it's fantastic. Because you go there and you sort of, you've got a little fire going and you sort of, you cook an egg or something or a piece of bacon and it sticks to the bottom of the cheap frying pan that you bought in millets because it's one of these camping... And it all packs up together and then... And you think, I'll, I'll pitch the tent underneath these trees because it's really beautiful. And you wake up in the morning and you suddenly realise that trees at night secrete... They have all this water and condensation which goes onto the tent. And you can't wrap the tent up until it's dry. So my advice is, because I have been camping... Uh, I have been out there. I did go for the Duke of Edinburgh's award. We didn't get it because we had a bit of a shock. We went camping in Savanac Forest, as you will remember. And there were four of us. We were dumped in the middle of the forest. We put our tents up, again, under trees. And we got woken up in the early hours of the morning by some, let's just call them ruffians on motorcycles, who came and shone their their headlights into our tents, which frightened us a little bit because we were only about 14 or 15. And then we decided to go for a walk. So it's pitch black in Savanac Forest. And we're walking along this road. We didn't have torches. I don't know why we didn't have torches. And and all of a sudden the ground started to shake. And I thought, oh, my God, Father, what's going on? And it was shaking, and it got worse and worse. And of course, we're little kids. We're, well, 14, 15, we're a bit frightened by things like this. And all of a sudden, whoo! And all this steam came into the air. We were standing on a railway bridge, and the train went underneath us. Frightened the life out of us. You know, all we got was all this steam in the air. Terrible. So we didn't pass the, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme. Uh, and also the other one, which we did in the garden. Come on, you must have done this as a kid. Build a den. Did you build a den with an old car rug? You put a piece of... You still build, The producer does it now. I used to love that. You, you put a bit of rope between two trees, if you were lucky enough to have trees. If not, you had to grow acorns or something. And, uh, and then you put a bit of rope there and the blanket over the top, and that was your den. And you put some rocks on the outside, and you'd sit in... I don't know why, we just sat under a blanket in the garden. The other thing, skim a stone. Probably more a boy's thing than a girl's thing, I think. Skimming a stone. That's where you take it and you try and get it to bounce over the water. I was quite good at that. Got to find the right pebble, of course. Run around in the rain. It's something you have to do by 11 and three quarters. Yeah, running around in the rain was good, but you didn't get wet, gonna get wet. We didn't care, did we? Didn't care. Uh, fly a kite. Good. Catch a fish with a net. You can still buy little nets, little, we used to call them tiddler nets. And you had a little glass jar. Mum, you've got a glass jar, what for? We're gonna go, we're gonna go and get some frog spawn. So we go down and get frogs born. Eat an apple straight from a tree. Did you ever do that? You just picked it off the tree. Ugh, it's a cooking apple. Ugh, horrible. Oh, yeah. Play conkers. Ever played conkers? I used to have a tenner. A tenner or elevener or something like that. And we used to have different things. You'd bake your conkers in the oven. Or failing that, you put them in vinegar, which hardened them up a bit. Now, of course, it's forbidden to play conkers because health and safety say it's too dangerous. Uh, go on a really long bike ride. Oh, that was good fun. Really long bike rides were great. Uh, make a stick trail. You do a stick trail. We didn't do a stick trail, I don't think. I presume that's where you put sticks down and people followed it as a trail. I don't know. Make a mud pie. Yeah, we've all made mud pies, haven't we? Uh, dam a stream. We like that. Damming a stream was really good. And then you'd make a little hole in the middle and you know, all the water would come pouring out again. Actually, it's like when you're on the beach and you make a sand cart and then you hollow out round until you, you dig out the sand until it fills up with water. That was always good fun, wasn't it? You rush all the way up with your little bucket and you empty the water in and it just disappears into the sand. We didn't quite get it. Uh, playing in the snow, very good. Make a daisy chain. Come on, everybody's made a daisy chain. Come on, have you made a daisy chain? 
never made a daisy chain. You cut the daisies, and then you put your thumbnail through, and then you thread the other daisy, and so it goes on. We could do quite a few, actually. Uh, set up a snail race. We never did this. I never liked snails, to be honest with you. I haven't, uh, things haven't changed. Play poo sticks. Play poo sticks. Winnie the Pooh used to play poo sticks. Where you sort of stand on a bridge and you drop your stick in and then you run to the other side of the bridge to see whose uh, stick emerges first. Uh, explore inside a tree. Yeah. Pick blackberries in the wild. Remember going out in the country lanes and you take your little Tupperware thing and you pick some... But you'd be eating them as you'd be going along. Unless they had sort of bird poo on, in which case you never touch the blackberries at all. Make a grass trumpet. Did you ever make a grass trumpet? Well, you get a blade of grass, you put it between your thing. <sighs> Did you do that? That's a grass trumpet, you thought. What do you think it was? God, I didn't actually meant you sort of, you know, fashioned a trumpet out of a piece of grass. I mean, that would be, that would be quite clever. Uh, explore a cave. Yep. Done that. Climbed a hill. Yep. Climbed a hill. Hunted for fossils and bones. Didn't need to in our family. I was talking to most of them half the time. Um, what else do we do? Hold a scary beast. I don't know what scary beast is. I mean, if you mean next door's cat, that was pretty scary. Uh, hunt for bugs. We used to lift up stones and you'd find some gecko or something underneath the stone. I was always terrified I'd find a snake. And they say, don't worry, because now is the time. Now is the time, as you go into May, that all the grass snakes are out. They've had, to, had a bit of hibernation and now they're, they're pregnant. And they'll have, I don't know, between 20 and 30 young. And they said, and this is how you tell a grass snake from an adder which is our most poisonous snake. Well, to be honest, I'm not going to hang around long enough. I don't care. People go, oh, don't worry, a grass snake is harmless. They go, I don't care. I can't... What does it look dangerous? No idea. Catch a falling leaf. Oh, that was a bit naff. We used to find leaves that were hollow. Not, not hollow, but they looked like a skeletal leaf. You could see all the membranes inside, which I thought was quite clever. Uh, have you ever tracked wild animals? No. My auntie Enid was fairly mad on a few occasions. Discover what's in a pond... Yeah, we've done that. You know, you've sort of leant down, looked in a pond. You've gone, I can see a fish, I can see a fish. I remember that. Check out creatures in a rock pool. Yep. Make a home for a wild animal. Well, really, we, when we put my auntie Enid in a home, that was practically creating something. Uh, catch a crab. Yes. Yes, we've all caught a crab. You have to hold them by the middle, don't you? And incidentally, I was right. I said to Stuart the other day at Sandy's, and anybody else who'd listened to me, that there was a shortage of lobsters. They've been taken off the menus of a lot of uh, top London hotels, because there aren't enough lobsters at the moment. I can't remember the reason why we don't have many lobsters, but we don't at the moment. Built a raft. Come on, you've all built a raft, haven't you? Messed around on the river. Found a, found a couple of oil drums. Lashed some things to it. Thought you were swallows and Amazons. Uh, find your way with a map and a compass. Oh, rubbish at that. I couldn't do compasses or maps or anything. I should say, where is it? I'd ask. Go bird watching. Yeah. Go swimming in the sea. Yeah, we all went swimming in the sea. And then you get a mouthful of salty water. Oh, horrible. Sicky poos. And of course, we've all weed in the sea, haven't we? Come on, hands up. Everybody's done it. Generally, as the wave comes in. Oh, look at that. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. Can't do it in the local swimming pool, I've noticed. But, uh, but you can do it in the sea. And everybody... Who's going to get out of the sea and go looking around for a loo? You're not. You're just going to go, aren't you? Just me again. Uh, try rock climbing. Yeah, not very high. I don't do height at all. Learn to ride a horse. Yes, we used to go riding on a regular basis. Um, canoe down a river. No, I'm not very good at canoeing. I used to fall out. I wasn't very good at all, actually. Plant it, grow it, eat it. Yeah, we've done that crest. We've done crests and things like that. So that's OK. And go on a nature walk at night. So all of these things, in fact, most of them I appear to have done. 
There's a, there's a few little things that I haven't done. Um, you know, I mean, stargazing, we've all done it, where you lie back in the grass and you look up at the sky and you sort of go, there's Orion's belt, there's his trousers, there's sort of, you know, whatever it is, and, and we sort of identify things, but not, not anymore. I haven't done that for ages and ages. And, uh, and finding frog spawn, well, we did that all the time. So those are the things you're supposed to do by the time you are 11 and three quarters. And if you haven't done them, you better start doing them now. But if you're over 50, for God's sake, don't do the tree thing. I know it doesn't look like it's very high, but I promise you it, it's high when you get there. It's really not good news at all. I could, I'd love to better climb a tree now. I don't think my arms would support my weight, unfortunately. I'm a little bit, um, a little bit bad at things like that. Brian says, you mentioned Ming the Merciless. That bald-headed geezer. I think he presents that programme called Don't Get Done, Get Dom. (laughs) He doesn't quite look as short as that, though. How do you know how one feels over 50 if you're only 39? I've spoken to people. I've asked. I've asked the producer and things like that. And James says you can't possibly know about 1965 as you were only born in 1974. But more power to your elbow for being good at showbiz history. I'm quite good at showbiz history, actually. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, fashion faux pas, Steve. Hey, I remember wearing my bondage trousers from seditionaries, walking down the King's Road in the late 1970s. I wish I still had the hair left to spike up and colour. Mind you, I couldn't fit into the trousers now. Yes, bondage trousers. Bondage trousers. They were very popular bondage trousers. And it was just a pair of trousers which had, like, buckles all over them. I mean, they weren't actually bondage trousers. I don't think it was a fetish kind of thing. I think people just wore them because that's what the fashion was. I've, I've got a pair of camouflage trousers at home. Once I've found them, it'll be great. I'll put them on. But uh, so I've, I've got these trousers. I've got them in grey, and I, but I just look ridiculous. You know, you can't, at a certain age, get away with wearing some of these fashion faux pas, as Kevin calls it. You just can't do it. You walk down the street, I would think people would be looking at me, and yet you go down the King's Road, and you do get people. What did we see the other day? I saw somebody wearing a really inappropriate outfit. And I can't remember what it was, but it, it, it was enough to make me look and think, what in... Oh, that's right. It was a woman coming out of Starbucks, and she had one of those things that comes with all the cream on the top, and it's, uh, it's, um, it's like a... Um, I don't know what it is. It's a sort of chocolate cream thing, I suppose. And But she was huge. And her T-shirt had ridden up at the back. And all this fat was rolling over the top of her jeans. But muffin top, that's right. But her friend, who was with her, was really skinny. And I wanted to tap her on the shoulder and go, we can all see the back of your, you know, the back of your body. And uh, it wasn't a good look, because she had one of those little duffel bag things on. Uh, but, but that had ridden the T-shirt up. So, in fact, it, it became worse. And the more I was strangely drawn to this woman's back, I'm sort of walking down the street thinking... I wonder what we all look like from the back. You need somebody to photograph you as you walk down the, to see what you look like when you walk. You know, I skip sometimes. You know, it's not a good look, I know, but, you know, I do it. And, and, and you sort of think to yourself, what do I look like when I do this and do that? And you only see... That's why on television, that's the only indicator that you ever get of what you're like. So if you're presenting on television, you spend most of your time trying to catch sight of yourself on the monitor which makes you look slightly creepy, because you end up looking sideways, and, of course, the camera's catching you from a different angle. I thought I'd mention that now, just in case you were worried about the way you're walking, because some of you, when I've seen you at Waterloo Station in the morning, it's not a good look, OK? Well, those were my best bits from the week. I'll be back tomorrow morning, live at four, all the way through until seven, because it's the bank holiday, you get a bit extra. So I'm looking forward to talking to you then. And it's, it's a bumper show. We'll call it the Bumper Steve Allen Extravaganza. Don't forget, you can download all the podcasts from the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk. And you can always follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next, I'm in conversation with Richard Hammond and Bonnie Langford, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But now, the latest news at six.